Welcome to the Upside Podcast, powered by Upside Global and hosted by Julian Blinn, founder and CEO of Upside Global. The Upside Podcast is listened to weekly by over 6,000 sports and tech executives from all sports leagues and teams in the United States and around the world. Julian has been developing technologies for professional sports teams for over 10 years and has worked for major tech companies along with sports tech startups. In each episode, Julian interviews global leaders in sports to share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn. So today we have the honor to interview again Dr. Ron Dick at Duquesne University in the School of Business. As a reminder, Ron has worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA with the Sixers and the Nets, and then five years in the NCAA. So Ron, it's great to have you on the show again. Thank you, Julian. Happy to be here with you. Great. So uh, Ron, so what I want to talk to you about today is, first, obviously, we've got to talk about the 2023 NBA Draft and Summer League. There's a lot of buzz about Wemby, right? We got picked up as the number one pick by the, the Spurs. Uh, and they're actually going to be playing on July 7 in a couple of days. And then we'll talk about the latest ESPN layoffs. Uh, then we'll talk about the uh, NBA new CBA agreement. Uh, and then we'll talk about ESPN big investments into the MLB draft. And then uh, we'll talk obviously about the NIL, what are the latest news over there. And then lastly, we'll talk about Messi arrival to the MLS and especially at the Inter Miami. So how does it sound? Sounds great. Great. So, uh, hey, Ron, the first topic, uh, I actually, I was attending the NBA draft at the Broccoli Center a few weeks ago. Um, you know, Wemby, the French player, got picked up by the Spurs as the number one draft pick. There was a lot of excitement about that. As some people uh, call him, it's a generation player. Uh, and, you know, Wemby's going to play in a couple of days on July 7 uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, he's playing against the, um, uh, the other draft pick from the Charlotte Hornets, I believe. So who do you think are going to be the best rookie uh, at the NBA Summer League? Who's the real deal? Who's not? What's your take on that? It seems like your French uh, colleague, Wemby, is, is number one as far yeah. as who's going to be rookie of the year when we look at the betting odds. The player, Scoot Henderson, yeah. who, who's with the Blazers, he's pretty high up on the list too. Mm-hmm. And then let us not forget, uh, last year's t- one of the top picks from last year from Gonzaga, Chet Holmgren. Uh, he plays for Oklahoma City Thunder, but I think he blew his knee out in the, the Vegas league a year ago. And yeah. uh, a lot of people think he could be the rookie of the year. Uh, his body frame is, I would say, uh, pretty close to what uh, your guy Wemby is. Mm-hmm. L- lanky, thin. Uh, looks like you could really get into his chest area, bully him around. But of course, you know, they know that and you never really are able to accomplish that, even though you, it's it's more of a finesse league now than it was from back in the day. So I'd say they're probably your top picks. What about the uh, the the twin brothers, the Thompson brothers? Yeah, that's pretty that, impressed by I those saw, two. Yeah, very impressed. They went back to back and. Uh, they, it's the first time it ever happened, the twin brothers went back to back. Right. And the other thing, those two guys you mentioned, and then also uh, Scoot Henderson that we mentioned, they didn't go to college the way I look at this. It looks like they mm-hmm. went right into the elite or the uh, overtime elite. 
and they went right into the developmental league, started making money right out of high school. The G League, you mean the G League? Yeah, the G League, right, the G yeah. League. And yeah. uh, they uh, they played for the team called Elite, I think is their name. And uh, that seemed to work out well for them. So, you know, one of the reasons we're paying the college students now more than ever before is because I think they had to, uh, as opposed yeah. to some of the other players. The one player went to uh, Alabama, Brandon Miller, number two, to the Hornets. He uh, he played a year of college and then came out. So, yeah, it looks like that's uh, might be the way to go moving forward. Uh, some want to go to college for a year, some don't. Yeah. And then, but let's not forget the 13th pick. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my guy from Kansas, uh, Grady Dick, D-I-C-K. Oh, yes. He's going to be a Raptor, and I'm happy for him. And uh, yeah. uh, Howard, Juwan Howard's son, was drafted by the Magic. His name is Chet, Chet, uh, Chet Howard. So, you know, these are all guys that could really have breakout years. Well, yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's also one guy that I was quite impressed about. I, I saw he was playing the, the NBA Summer League two days ago, uh, the pick by the Miami Heat. He used uh -huh. to play for UCLA. Uh -huh. uh, so I was like, man, this guy is, could be a, a quite a big sensation. So he's very good at three-point shooting. Um, obviously, can also block shots. Uh, he's very agile. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, I've heard of him, and it, it most most scouts I think are saying this draft was uh, fairly deep, okay. and there were some really good players taken, uh, obviously in the lottery, but also even outside the lottery. So uh, this might be one to remember for a long time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. Hey, um, one of the um, also the last few days there's been a lot of trades, right, in the NBA. Mm -hmm. uh, going back to Miami Heat, I think you know, for example, they send Vincent to the Lakers on a three-year deal, $33 mm -hmm. million. And then, um, so they're, they're, it looks like they're getting ready for a big trade, right? Mm -hmm. To acquire one of the potential players that they would get is, uh, I think, the player from the Trailblazers, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Damien Gillard. Yeah. Uh, he said he want to go to the NBA. I'm sorry, he wants to go to the Miami Heat, which mm -hmm. I think makes sense because he would play alongside of Jimmy Butler. And right. then uh, them. So they could have had their big three again, right? A big three. Right, and he's been pretty loyal over the years to uh, Portland. He has right. never really voiced his opinion to get out like some other players have on other teams, other star players. And, uh, you know, it, it looks like they want to do start over again with the elite player, yeah, Scott Henderson. And, uh, you know, when you, you start rebuilding, you know, how many veterans do you really want uh, on your team? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it might be a good fit for everybody. Yeah, uh, you're right. Hey, the next topic I want to talk about is ESPN, right? So mm -hmm. they had another round of layoffs, uh, eliminating the jobs of about 20 on-air personalities, mm -hmm. including big names such as Jalen Rose, Max Kellerman, Todd McShay, Alfonso Ellis, Keishon mm -hmm. Johnson, and Steve Young, but also one of the most startling are the layoffs of prominent analysts, right? So Jeff Van Gundy, Susie Colbert, a 27-year veteran of ESPN. Uh -huh. So uh, what is your take on what's going on with ESPN right now? Well, I think they're they're swimming in red ink. They're losing money. Uh, when you say ESPN, you also have to say ABC and you yeah. have to say Disney. They're, they're, all the, they're all the same company. And uh, cable's been cut more than ever before. Uh, people are buying it kind of a la carte. And yeah they got a lot of overhead 
And, you know, this isn't the only industry where I'm not going to say overpriced, but let's just say highly priced talent is being squeezed out when their contracts come up. And, hey, we can get the next young 22, 23, 25-year-old fresh face out of Syracuse that's Mm -hmm. in front of the camera for, you know, a third the price, half the price. This has happened in Comcast Sportsnet in Philadelphia, uh, Mm -hmm. and and it's not uncommon. And it happens in a lot of uh, industries. Some people might call it ageism. Uh, You know, 40 and over usually is considered uh, ageism. But Mm -hmm. at at the same time, giving other people another chance. I don't think it's surprising at all when you're losing money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these it, it's it's not about the commentators, right? It's it's about the players, the coaches. The, the story isn't them. Mm-hmm. And I know some of these guys, Stephen A. Smith and some of these others, try to make it about them. It's yeah. not. It, it, it's the players. It's the coaches. It's, it's, it's following your team. We're not following these people to find out what they think about certain things to me. And then they start arguing with each other. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think they're worth it. I, I think they're, they're, they're overpaid. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to not watch the games because they're not giving me the talking head information about it. Yeah. And in fact, you know, I mentioned when you mentioned Stephen A. Smith, I was watching um, a show he was doing on YouTube, YouTube mm-hmm. Live. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is ridiculous. That was just totally out of context, not even mm-hmm. that interesting. Uh, but you, and, and I saw him actually at the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was doing a live show over there. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. If, if, look, if you're ESPN, you can, you can uh, you know, have some or recruit some really high, super talented, uh, you know, brand new analyst. Why not? Right. Why do you have to pay somebody $10 million a year? Right. When it's uh, it's about, you know, screaming and it's all about them. Right. So. I don't know why it ever happened to begin with. It never made any sense to me uh, that, that they got paid that kind of money. I, I never understood it. it. It never could be explained properly so I could understand it. So yeah. I, I don't know why. Uh, nobody, yeah, puts, nobody puts on the, the TV to hear them. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, hey, the, the next topic I want to discuss with you is the NBA, uh, the new um, CBA agreement, right? So Right. Now, with this new CBA agreement, NBA uh-huh. players cannot invest in independent WNBA teams right. and sports betting operators, right, thanks to this new agreement. And also, right. individual players can own up to 4% of WNBA clubs not owned by an NBA team owner, okay, and up okay. to 8% of such a team collectively. So on behalf of all the players, the, the, the uh, NBA Player Association can invest in free uh, private funds acquiring equity stakes in NBA teams with mm-hmm. a union investment capped at 5% of the funds aggregated capital. So uh, do you think it's a, it's a good move by the, uh, the, the NBA to do that? I think that the NBA, whatever they can do to support the WNBA and, and that yeah. they want to, I think is, is great. And if the play, the players want to get behind it, then, then they should. Uh, there seems to be a couple things that are, uh, worth mentioning the WNBA uh, women do not get paid as much as the guys and mm-hmm. there's some confusion why and then when you look at the 40 million plus contracts which you know basically some of the players are making half a million dollars per game if, if they played all 82 games right mm-hmm. uh, 
how does that happen? And how are the women capped at uh, 200,000 or 250,000 for the superstar players? Well, it's because the revenue's not there. Mm -hmm. Revenue's not there in the WNBA. The attendance is down. TV ratings are down. And if some of the players in the NBA want to support it, that's fine. But this is not a mystery on why these NBA players are making so much money. Since 1983, you know, here we are 40 years later, there's been something called BRI, basketball-related income. Mm -hmm. And this percentage fluctuates uh, per negotiation, but roughly – 53% of all gross revenues for the NBA have to be used on players' salaries. Has to. So you might ask, well, what goes into that BRI, the basketball-related income? Well, television deals, obviously, ticket mm -hmm. sales, NBA properties, the hats, the shirts, all the stuff that they sell around the globe, uh, concession stands, parking, uh, Naming rights of buildings, many of which are airlines and banks, uh, that all goes, that got thrown into it. So the question isn't why are the players getting paid so much? How did the NBA develop those areas of revenue? Mm -hmm. And of course, one of the major ways they did was uh, television globally. Now, soccer, of course, you know, your favorite sport, that's number one. But it seems like basketball is, is rivaling cricket as, as getting into like number two. And that's where the revenue came from is international money. So uh, how do we develop that more in the WNBA? And until their basketball related income goes up, uh, we are not going to be able to share as much with them. Now, do they get mm -hmm. 50 I don't know that they do. I think they get closer to 25%. And that could be a number we could adjust. But how do we make the game more exciting? So young uh, girls, 7 to 17, want to say, Dad, the nag, nag, nag factor. You mentioned your daughter going to the uh, Brooklyn Nets WNBA game, uh, the Liberty. Yeah. It was like, Dad, take me to the game. Like we need my daughter saying to me, hey, Dad, I want to go to a game. I take mm -hmm. her to women's basketball games at Duquesne all the time. Is she getting into it? I don't want to force feed it to her, but at the same time, I want to expose it to her. Why isn't that happening? Why is it men over the age of 30 are like the number one people interested in the WNBA? That has always been a frustration. Why is that? What do you think that is? I have no idea. I, I can tell you it's gotten a lot better than it was. I remember the 70s and even the early 80s, like the women – that were basketball players in high school, they would have pictures and posters of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Julia Serving and those type of guys. And then now at least they have a role model to look to in a Sue Bird, Tarasi, uh, Lisa Leslie, uh, Candace Parker, like all these other, yeah. at, least, at least they're female basketball players that they can look up to and not just looking up to male basketball players. But it just never took off the way that they had hoped that it would with seven to 17 year old girls. What do you think needs to happen for the WNBA to see some growth? What do they have to do? A change of ownership, which is what you opened up the conversation with. You know, we got Tom Brady yes. on a piece of the Vegas uh, WNBA yep. team. You, you've got some NBA players. I don't see how that can hurt. I think that can really help. One yep. of the things that, that about a women's basketball that's similar to men is the shooting. There's some great shooters in the NBA, obviously, now more so than ever before. But there's some really good shooters in the WNBA. 
the ball, the ball, I don't mean to diminish anybody's accomplishments, but the fact is the ball is smaller. Is it? Yeah, I mean, a little bit, but also the color is different too. Okay, so wait, if you make the ball smaller, in essence, you're making the rim bigger, correct? Okay. Okay, so there is some NBA players, I saw something where Shaquille O'Neal, another talking head, that's very entertaining with Charles Barkley. I noticed those guys didn't get cut on TNT. Yeah. They, they recommended, how about if we drop the rim down to nine and a half feet really? or, or nine? And if we did that, and that, that could be easily done, how would that change the game? Well, that certainly would create a lot more dunking now, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I saw some of the NBA stars uh, be very offended by that. But yet they're not offended the ball smaller, right, mm-hmm. making the rim bigger. That that is uh, that is something that we might want to explore because you know the fans love the dunk, right? I mean, they really For do, sure. yeah. and we love three pointers and we love dunking. <laughs> so that might be something to explore at uh, maybe Division Three or maybe a young a, a, a lesser league than the WNBA. Similar to what baseball does, they try it out in Double A AA and Triple A before they change the rules in the MLB. Mm-hmm. I think that might be something to think about. If that's going to spur interest, then then why, why wouldn't we look at that? Yeah, I mean, like you said, they could start ex- experimenting with some lower divisions. And if he catches fire, if people love it, then they might say, you know what, I just bring it to the WNBA. It, it, it could be a game changer. Yeah, I, I like the idea. Never heard of the, this anecdote from Shaq and, and Charles Bucket. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um Hey, so the, the next topic I want to cover with you is, I guess, going back to ESPN, right? So ESPN is putting un, unprecedented levels of production and promotional muscle behind the, the MLB draft, right? So hoping to bring its coverage closer in presentation to its much more popular NFL and NBA counterparts. So for the first time, uh, the network uh, will take a lead role in producing the MLB draft, which okay. will be on July 9th. Uh, evolving from a prior share framework with the league. So what do you think ESPN is is doing a big push behind the MLB draft? One of, well, because they broadcast a lot of their games. Uh, right. That's one of the yep. reasons behind it. Like they've gotten more behind the NHL also, uh, mm-hmm. National Hockey League, when they promote more of their games and they, they show more, more of their games because it behooves everybody. Yeah. But the, thing, the, the major difference between the NFL draft and the NBA draft and versus NHL and MLB is we know the players in a lot of cases in the NBA draft because they played in college. Now I yeah. know that decreasing recently, or we've seen them in the developmental league, the G league, and they've been covering that more than ever before. And in the NFL, of course, you know, division one, uh, power five power six conferences we get to see those football players play you know every saturday uh yeah for three years they can't leave after one year or they can't go directly to the nfl from high school because there's a fear someone would be really hurt and i think that's the smart thing to do so mm-hmm. we we've already seen them marketed we know who they are we really don't know outside of maybe this year our pittsburgh pirates here we they have the first pick in the entire draft and supposedly one and one A are two guys that played at LSU. Well, ESPN covers the College World Series where the best eight teams go to Omaha. It's a really cool event. And uh, we get to see these players showcased. And mm-hmm. we're getting a better idea of who they are because we've seen them play on television. 
that never happened before. And in the NHL, we really don't know who these guys are. I mean, who, who's who's up in Canada looking at the uh, 17 and under league, the 18 and under league? I don't think anybody's doing that but scouts and people that live in Canada. So we don't they're, they've never been marketed that well. But now that uh, and we still don't know the high school guys uh, in the MLB draft. So it's I think because they cover the college so well, the World Series, I think they want to get more behind the actual draft. Yeah, which I think is a good move. Um, hey, so we, we, we touched on the Neil a little bit, but uh, when it comes to the Neil, what are the latest developments that you've seen lately and what's happening with the Neil? What's happening with the Neil? We just entered the third year, July 1st. Uh, yeah. 21 was the first year. And it is definitely people that have had social media, both male and female. They're doing well with TikTok. They, they have followers and they are star players. They're, they're really raking it in. It's If I had to pick one school to figure this thing out better than any other school, I would pick the SEC school, LSU. They seem to really <laughs> be doing University of Miami seems to mm-hmm. be on, on, on top of it. And it's definitely going to move talent toward those schools. Uh, the whole transferring thing has gotten to be a little mysterious. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a demographic of 18 to 23 that seems to have an insatiable need to be wanted. And they're always curious. Uh, the grass is greener uh, on the other side of the fence. There's a better deal out there. I've seen We've had college basketball players transfer three times in three years. Three times. Three times in three years. Wow. And they get to play right away. I thought the ruling was you get uh, the transfer once, then you'd have to sit out another year. But there seems ways of circumventing that. And uh, the other thing is some of these guys that are transferring or going into the transfer portal, portal, they – they aren't finding a home. They're not finding a team in division one. And Mm -hmm. then they have regret and they want to go back. But then the previous team says, look, we already gave your scholarship. So once, once you apply for the portal, you cannot go back to the same team. You could, if they want you back, you could, but if they don't want you back or they've already given your scholarship, I mean, there aren't an unlimited amount of scholarships. There's only about 354 division one programs. And each has about 12 to 15 scholarships tops. And and you, some of these guys think, oh, I'm going to do better than the conference I'm in now. I'm going to go someplace and I'm going to play right away because the coach told me this, that, and the other. And uh, then they end up going Division Two or Division Three. They have to transfer down, and of course, then they can play right away no matter what. If you transfer well, down, you know, my my son was telling me the other day. He said, "Hey, Dad, uh, Bronny James got transferred from UFC to somewhere." I'm like, "Are you serious?" And then. He didn't get transferred anywhere. Maybe he just applied on the portal. I'm not sure what happened. So LeBron's son, uh, Bronny, yes. he, he signed a letter of intent to go to University of South Carolina. Is that correct? USC. USC. Yeah. And now there's rumors that he wants to get out of that letter and go somewhere that's what else. I, that's what he told me. Yeah, he was looking to go to another school. Uh, but, you know, anyway, I didn't double check the information, but. I was like, well, he's still at, you know, he's still going to go to USC from what I can tell. Anyway, I think there's a lot of confusion on maybe sometime how the portal get utilized. And, but like you said, if sometime you say, look, I want to go to another school, but then you don't get picked up by another school, then you're kind of stuck. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 again, and, and, 
you know, going back to even when they were playing, uh, you know, from ninth grade to 12th grade in AAU basketball, it was always like, I'll just get another team. If this team isn't making me the star, yeah. I'll go somewhere else. It was never like dig your feet in, make it work where you're at. Uh, that That's that's not the way that the, 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 the guy, the, well, anybody, they're being raised. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, the grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, hey, um, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. That was it. Yeah, it's okay. So, look, the, the, obviously the, the topic of the month was uh, Messi, Leo Messi arrival to the mm-hmm. MLS. He's going to mm-hmm. go, he's going to the Inter Miami. His mm-hmm. first game is on July 21st. Uh, mm-hmm. Ever since, the, the, a couple of things, ever since he announced he was joining Inter Miami, I think their mm-hmm. social media account went from 1 million followers to 9 million followers in just right. a couple of weeks. And right. then uh, as far as his compensation, People are talking about $50 million a season, uh, which is, you know, and then it's going to get a cut on the Apple TV subscription and other things. Uh, so, we, you know, it's going it's to get well paid. Uh, and then uh, the other thing was that apparently his dad wanted him to go to Saudi Arabia to get paid like $400 million a season, which is crazy. But then his wife said, no, look, I'm not going to Saudi Arabia. I mean, not surprising because in Saudi Arabia, women can even go and attend soccer games over there, from mm-hmm. what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they went to Miami, and they also he wants to spend more time with his family, wife and kids. He's closer to Argentina. So all those things, right? And, and the U.S. is a much more, uh, you know, popular market, right? So mm-hmm. he's going to get way more exposure. So what is your take, you personally, on Messi? I'll give you my take, too. But Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, well, 16 years ago, we had something very similar to this happen in January of 07. Yeah. We had uh, Bend It Like Beckham, David, yes. uh, who probably Beckham. had less in the tank than Messi does. Mm-hmm. He signed the LA Galaxy for five years. And there was uh, his wife also did some modeling and they moved the whole family to LA. Yeah. You can even go 19 years before that, Wayne Gretzky being sold uh, from the uh, the championship team, Stanley Cup champs, the uh, Edmonton Oilers, to Los Angeles with McSorley, his uh, yeah, his protector, and Marty McSorley. And you know the, the stars going to the MLS. This has happened before, so I think it's going to have a great impact on the MLS. He'll sell out obviously every place he goes. Mm-hmm. And when he scores a goal, people go crazy. And 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 I don't know that it makes the league better with him in it, like significantly better. Uh, you would know this better than me, but I, in this country, we're used to having like I think the best league of everything. Uh, mm-hmm. And the MLS uh, would it be ranked somewhere in Major League Soccer, somewhere between tenth to fifteenth best league in the world? Yeah, that's correct. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay, so if that's true, uh, it has improved from where it was when Bendit Like Beckham went to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. This yep. hopefully will lead to other star players coming and wanting to play in the MLS. Yep. And if that happens and the league can go maybe to the top five best league in the world, not, not in, in the Premier League level, that will be nothing but great for the ownership and for the value of these teams. Yeah, I mean, I look. I well, first of all, I think it's a great, uh, it's great for the MLS that Messi is coming. Uh, ever since they, 
uh, announced the, you know, the, the announcement of Messi to the MLS. I think in Inter Miami, I think the ticket price went from like average price of like 30 bucks to like over 500 bucks. And then yeah, every yeah. single game that they're going to go to Inter Miami, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be almost sold out, right? Like you said. So, oh, it will. Uh, look, if I'm Messi, look, I, I'm towards the end of my career. I made all the money that I could possibly make. Uh, I won everything. Walk up, um, Champions League. So, you know, it makes sense for him to want to spend some time with his wife and kids. But I think he also wants to keep winning. And that's why Inter Miami and David Beckham and his team, they're putting together a good team. Uh, they're already talking about getting uh, one of his former teammates from Barcelona, Busquez. I think he already signed, actually. And they're talking about Suarez. We used to play at Barcelona. So they're going to put together a good team. And they, they need to because Inter Miami, I think, is at the bottom of the league right now. So, uh, so I think it could work out pretty well. And now, is he going to play until the World Cup in the U.S. in 2026? I'm not sure. I don't think he will. But it's, uh, you know, I think it's a good move by him and his family. So, yeah, and uh, he he will be a star there. And and uh, there's a lot of uh, Hispanic uh, fan interest there too. I mean, he'd be a star no matter where he is. But. Yeah. I, I think you'll really do well at the gate and the TV ratings will go through the roof. Oh yeah. And if yeah. I'm the MLS and Miami in particular, uh, it'd be a great time if uh, my TV deal was up and we were re renegotiating that because yeah. uh, you can show uh, Nielsen ratings that we've quadrupled the number of people watching our games because this guy's wearing number 10 and then, uh, Hey, let's renegotiate. <laughs> no question. Right. Um, and oh, what, and also, if I if I may, one last topic I want to get your thoughts on: Novak Djokovic, right? The the, the star tennis player uh, won uh, the last French Open a few weeks ago, right? And he's the ultimate winner, right? I think he's got 23 Grand Slam, so right. he's ahead of Federer and Nadal. So mm -hmm. the debate is: he's still he's not old, but he's still fairly young. He's still playing at a high level, um, you know. And so, do you think he's the goat? The greatest of all time, you think? You know, and he's going to keep winning more. Right, right. He's uh, aged very well. He's he's avoided any real major lingering injuries. He mm -hmm. went through, you know, just a gauntlet of two of the greatest players of all time at the same yeah. time that playing for the most part. And you know, I saw somebody ask him that question, and you know, I know he has a little bit of a reputation for having an attitude and yes. being maybe being difficult sometimes. I thought he answered that question very eloquently and very professionally and uh he he just said look i'm gonna let you guys decide you okay. know i mean i just gonna play for as long as productive as i can and, yeah. and I, I know i played with two of the great against two of the guys in their their prime that mm -hmm. was good as anybody like he was very contrite i mean very impressive so you know what this is why you never give up on young people you can't give up on anybody, but you definitely don't give up on young people. Maybe he's matured a little bit, you know, over time. You know, the, the person he was at 20 isn't the person he is at 35 or 36, right? And that's probably true of all, all of us that that happened to. Well, I mean, for my take on that, so personally, I'm more of a Roger Federer and Adele fan, okay, from in terms of personality. But look, I expect Djokovic to win maybe like three, four, five more majors. So... At that point, if you look at the number of Grand Slam, there's no question from in terms of the number of Grand Slam, he'll be the GOAT. Now, as far as the impact on the game, some people have been saying that Nadal and Federer, they had a much bigger, bigger impact on the game and they're more popular. 
So mm -hmm. I think it's it's a matter of preferences. But as mm -hmm. far as the numbers, when the numbers goes, I think Djokovic, the way it's going to go, you know, he's got to be one of the greatest, maybe if not the greatest, right? So anyway. I mean, I think at some point we're splitting hairs, right? I mean, it's uh, you're talking about three of the greatest of all time for sure. Yeah. Hey, there one other topic in the green room you didn't bring up, and uh, I'm going to bring it up now and then get your opinion yeah. on it. Kobe's brand with Nike. Yes. Did you mention they're bringing back Kobe's shoe? Well, so they are they are doing some kind of rebranding uh, with Kobe brand, and I think it makes sense, right? Such an iconic player. Uh, so yes, they're, they're going to do some marketing and introduction. Yeah, some new work there too. Yeah. So they're going to not bring a new shoe. They're just going to bring the the old shoe back and and uh, change it slightly. Is that is that the, is that the goal? And and see what kind of market share that captures. Yeah, it's going to be some new uh, uh, new shoes, new products coming in. Yep, that's correct. Well, he's definitely beloved, especially in the California area. And I think people will buy his shoes. There's no question. Yeah, so what they're actually doing is they're reviving the Kobe signature shoe line, mm -hmm. uh, you know, more than three years after I received uh, his death. But that's, that's the plan, right? So Nike said, look, it's going to be an exciting summer as we set the stage to relaunch the Kobe brand in advance of the Kobe day on August 24th. So mm. I think it's uh, it's a nice gesture for them to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it makes sense, yeah. And a lot of that money goes to his wife and his estate. I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah, no no, no doubt. As it should, as it yeah, should. as it should. So uh, it's such a great player, right? If not the best. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's um, me. So, uh, but look, we, we are at the end of the podcast, but I want to thank you for your time today. Always great talking to you. You too, Julian. I hope everybody's doing well out there. Sounds great. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To access past episodes and other research, articles, and analysis of sports technology, please visit our website, theupside.us. Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by ibaudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.